My name is Bobby Rosenblitz with Wharton FinTech, and I'll be your host today. I'm joined by Ed O'Brien, who is the CEO of eMoney Advisor. eMoney builds interactive wealth planning technology for financial advisors and the clients they serve. Ed, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Bobby. Uh, we appreciate you having us. Of course. Uh, let's kick off by hearing more about your background and your path to becoming CEO of eMoney. Sure. I, I joined eMoney um, just in April earlier this year, so not, not quite a year yet, Bobby. Um, but prior to that, most of my career has been within the technology sector of financial services. Um, so before there were actually was referred to as FinTech, um, we, we were just the technology teams or the technology development arms within the financial services industry. And w within that, I would say over the past 10 years, um, really focused on sort of the advice providers within that space. So when I think about advice providers, usually that's, you know, uh, independent financial advisors, broker-dealers, family offices. Those are the, 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 the entities that are generally out there purveying advice to, to end consumers and clients. Uh, great. And um, tell us the story of eMoney and how it came to be part of Fidelity. Great question. So, um, you know, my, my background at Fidelity goes back, uh, gosh, almost 25 years. Um, and, and I did, you know, go off and do a little bit of time outside of Fidelity, um, internationally working with advisors uh, as well. But, um, you know, throughout the, the, the career, Bobby, I think, you know, uh, every every large provider to those types of institutions, you know, bank, again, banks, broker-dealers, financial advisors, family offices, always thinking about what technology they can provide to help develop um, their advisors into sort of better, better advisors for clients, meaning that they can provide better outcomes for their clients. Uh, but do it in a way that's really scalable. Because the one thing about this industry that that continues to, um, you know, year over year to, uh, evolve is the shrinking number of advisors. So, well, in the demographic is we have more people out there that actually need advice. So the uh, the the idea of trying to get more advice out through fewer number of advisors leads to um, technology because of the the scale proposition it it it, cre it provides us. Um, so, you know, when I think about e-money and, and how it came to be that, uh, you know, Fidelity was interested in acquiring e-money, um, the, the idea of advisors that uh, seem to be doing the best in the industry, outperforming their peers, have two things that, um, you know, that correlate to their outperformance. One is they are planning-led, meaning that they, they start their relationship with their client all around a planning proposition, not just talking to them about investment results or investment products. You're starting with things like, hey, Bobby, what are your goals in life? You know, what are the things that you want to accomplish financially? Um, and building the relationship all around, uh, you know, all, all around a plan. Second, those advisors that outperform also have this dynamic where they generally team or they work in collaboration with other advisors. And that's because, as you think about it, as life gets more comp complicated, um, it may be that you need somebody that helps you understand your goals and how to achieve them financially, but it also might mean that you need 
a tax accountant. You might need someone that's really knowledgeable in the states. You might need, so, you know, in other words, your advisor almost becomes more of a, a quarterback for your financial life in in making sure that, um, you know, that folks are collaborating on behalf of, you know, the client. So those are the two drivers that, as you think about, um, you know, fidelity looking forward, that e-money brought to the table that really wasn't out there. I mean, it, that, that's, that's e-money's unique value proposition is we provide a um, technology platform that provides planning to advisors, gives them the planning software, but it's done in a way that is interactive and collaborative with the, um, the advisor and their whole team, but also with the client. That, you know, the, so the, the combination of the planning technology with the collaboration and interactive um, ability is unique. And ultimately, what led Fidelity to this idea that um, ha having a capability, a company like eMoney, um, as part of the enterprise would be a good thing. Makes a lot of sense. And, and you've been in, in financial technology for a long time, you know, FinTech before, it, you know, FinTech became FinTech. But I mean, exactly. how, how, would, yeah, how would you reflect on um, the new buzz around FinTech, um, especially how players are, um, you know, robo-advisors, other kind of new entities are approaching and attacking asset management? Uh, so, you know, by, you know, for me, um, you know, it's probably continuing on that theme that, that uh, on the previous question, which is that the reason that the, you know, the, the, the new advice, the digital advice platforms are seeing some success and interest is because the market is looking for more ways to provide scalable advice to people that need it. Right, so it, we'd be having a very different discussion around robos or digital advice platforms if they weren't getting some traction or if nobody cared. The simple fact remains is that there are more people that need advice than ever, and fewer, you know, human advisors to actually provide it. Uh, thus, you know, tech, that, that creates the opportunity for innovation in things like digital advice and and, and robo platforms. You know, um, my, my sense is, at the end of the day, uh, it's just a different delivery mechanism, which makes it more scalable, in that we're still trying to help end clients meet their needs um, out, out of, you know, their, their, their financial well-being, right? Which is, I want to be able to save for retirement. I want to be able to save for my first home. I want to be able to save for my kid's college education. Whether I get that through a personal interaction with a human advisor or I get that with um, an online experience, it, it, that becomes more sort of my choice. You know, what do, how do I prefer to interact and probably the price point that I'm willing to afford um, or, or pay for. Uh, but, you know, right. still bringing it back simply, the reason those things are having some success in, in, in traction is because there's demand out there for it. Right, that that makes a lot of sense. And do you see your advisor clients um, trying to integrate this automatic automatic asset allocation from, you know, robo advisors like Betterment into their business? So that that's a that's a great question, and I, I I'll probably give you two answers if you don't mind. 
Um, sure. I think that the, the concept of automated asset allocation has been around for decades, right? So there's been many advisors who deliver an in-person advice experience that when they go back to their office, they've been running model portfolios in a very automated way, asset allocations for years and years and years. Um, and they, they just delivered it in person. Um, I, I think what the, the, the platforms that you're talking about, the digital and the robo platforms, what they're doing, again, coming back to delivery, is they're actually making the whole experience digital from the, the very first engagement, which is understanding what I need or, 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 or want in my financial life, um, having the platform that can do the automated asset allocation and the, you know, maybe the portfolio construction, and then continuing to things like account opening, the, you know, funding those accounts or, or moving assets to create those accounts. So the difference being is the, 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 um, it's the full sort of life cycle of engaging a client and understanding their, their needs, putting it into action, and making it all digital. That's the difference. But some of these components, like asset allocation, automated asset allocation by itself, have been automated for years and years, and there's lots of products that have done that. What's unique about these platforms, the digital specifically, is they put all the pieces together into a single, very easy-to-use online experience. Right. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I and, guess it comes back to this idea of, you know, the innovation in this case is really sort of the way that people have integrated the ecosystem. Right. And maybe um, in that context, you could talk a little bit about how e-money fits into that ecosystem and how you're helping clients kind of deal with these changes. Sure. So actually, it's, um, you know, you know, we, we pride ourselves as we, we are a technology company at heart here, right? We're, we're right. 400 and 450 people almost, and uh, more than half of those folks are, you know, some sort of technologists, software engineers, developers, you know, quality assurance. So our, you know, our heart and soul is a um, technology platform that provides planning and all those, you know, elements that an advisor needs to be successful. Um, the you know how we're responding there very specifically is we believe that um, you know the 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 most successful advisors of the future will have the ability to to offer their services either in person or digital depending on one the segment that they're dealing with or two a particular client's uh, preference mm-hmm. so. Um, the, the, the value proposition that e-money brings to an advisor through technology is the fact that if they want to have a 100% digital experience for a 22-year-old who just wants to sort of figure out, you know, some elements of basic financial planning, budgeting, spending, and how to best match their 401k, they can deliver that through the e-money platform without ever really having to have an in-person engagement or spend a lot of time with that client. Um, as that particular client, you know, needs grow and become more complex, family, right, they, they start to think about retirement. The nice thing about our platform is the advisor doesn't have to come up with a different platform or a different experience. They just turn on different capabilities. So we had talked earlier about things like 
when you know I need a retirement plan, well, I can just layer that in for that client. I can, um, when I need something that talks about estate and you know charitable giving, I can I can add that in. But the the good news is that client has actually been using the same technology all through their life cycle with the advisor. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm sure that's how good advisors are um, kind of taking advantage of technology today. How, and talking about kind of other trends in the industry, I mean, one of the big regulatory changes affecting advisors stems from the Department of Labor fiduciary rule. Maybe if you could give our listeners just some context around uh, what the fiduciary rule really is, what it means for advisors, and how you see the advisor landscape changing and adapting to this uh, over the next 10 years. Yeah, and we could probably spend an hour talking about that. Sure. So we we won't do that here um, because that's not the objective of of this particular podcast. But in the simplest of terms, what the DOL is endeavoring to do is put in place a standard through which a, a client has some level of assurance that their advisor is acting in their best interest, right? And so, um, you know, there's there's a lot of that goes along with that, but if you wanted to boil it down to sort of simply, you know, what's the objective, that's it. Um, Which which sort of supports why I think there was some research done um, by by our parent company, Fidelity, last year that indicated just about a third of advisors um, saw the DOL rule as a positive thing, largely because they saw it as it's sort of justifying the way that they've been working all along, right? Which is trying to trying to act in a fiduciary accountability standard that puts the client's best interest first. Um, right. You know, the the change for us is the the DOL rule is just asking advisors as they think about sort of the life cycle of the advisor and client relationship, there are certain things that, they, you know, certain reporting requirements, certain, certain disclosure requirements that need to happen. Um, this is the nice advantage that advisors that have been using technology all along to engage in planning and record keeping generally have a leg up here because a lot of it's already happening and, it, you know, it's layering in you know, we, what we call here a fiduciary framework, which is just making sure that the advisor is capturing the right data, is uh, making the right disclosure requirements, making the right reporting requirements as they go. So it's more of a framework for which they need to, um, to which they need to operate in. Uh, you know, that that for for most of the advisors that we serve today, because they're planning led and because they're uh, you know they, they're they're um, working largely through a pretty automated system, it's not a huge change. It's it's more just sort of implementing this framework that we talked about. You know, but in fairness, Bobby, there are other advisors who maybe haven't been as automated, haven't been as planning led, and um, have approached uh, their clients more from a from a product perspective. Uh, they they may have more of a challenge sort of pivoting to what the DOL is asking of us as an industry. Right. And and do you see how do you see that impacting the product offering that advisors will provide to their clients? 
You know, I it, I don't think there's any one answer to that, but you you can see um, from you know the way different firms are reacting, there seems to be a trend towards simplicity, right? So product lineups can be will will be a little bit simpler, so that the disclosure requirements and the understanding of from the client's point of view will be easier to to understand. Um, uh, I I also think that you know there'll be some nuances around whether firms decide what they decide to offer as part of retirement accounts or not versus non-retirement accounts. So that will certainly have some implications. But I, I, I'm a firm believer that you know all of this for advisors who embrace technology and again um, you know solutions like our fiduciary framework, they're going to be perfectly fine. It may be some some subtle subtle changes to the way that they think about working with their clients but they're going to be fine. Right. It makes a lot of sense. So um, we talked a little bit earlier about your um, background leading a large technology team at Fidelity before joining eMoney. How would you compare that experience, um, you know, being a large industry uh, player like Fidelity versus kind of your new seat at eMoney? Um, well, hey, for, for me, um, a lot a lot of my time at Fidelity had been spent on uh, what I what I would consider the efficiency, um, you know, the technologies that drove that drove efficiencies for advisors. As you can imagine, a firm like Fidelity, a lot of a lot of the work that we do have done there has been things like trading and account opening and making sure that all of those processes were were seamless and, and easy for advisors. Um, but the, the the reason why I, I love what I do today and love working here at eMoney is um, we, we spend more time on the relationship side. So helping advisors deepen relationships with their clients. And again, as, as we talked earlier, we believe that you know planning and a planning-led approach is probably the best way for an advisor to think about deepening the relationship with their client. Um, so for me, it's it's almost like moving from what has been you know the efficiency systems into today what is the the relationship systems and um you know i'm sure you, you would agree that you know the all technology and you think about the all all, all the experiences that you have as a, a consumer today it's all about collaboration into in, interactive uh technology that um helps you get better results you know again whether it's financial planning or you know whether you're you're trying to decide what the you know next best product to buy someplace. Um, it there's so much information that's available to you. Um, what we what we try to do in, in financial planning is again focus on what's the best outcome for you working through an advisor. And uh, so for for me that's probably the big shift in how to think about the technology that we provide to advisors. Um, but then when you, you know, when you're here at eMoney, it's a, it's a pretty big difference between you know my my, my role at Fidelity and, and working with a company that's 50,000 people um, versus here at eMoney. Even though we're a sizable company at at, at 450 people, um, you can imagine the culture is very different. Uh, you know we 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 have two sites, but the, the lion's share of our team sit here in Radnor, Pennsylvania. Uh, when, when, when you when you have a meeting, everyone's in person, and you know it's much more sort of uh, a, a, you know an environment that's much more flexible because of our size. 
Um, and I think also the sort of that that point that I brought up earlier, because we bring so many people together that have a passion around technology and planning, um, we have this incredible focus on what we do, is which is helping advisor helping advisors. Uh, provide better financial outcomes to their clients. And so it's a mission that it's sort of nice to get 450 people behind day in and day out, and it's pretty clear. Um, you also have the benefit of being able to see, you know, the, the way that we develop technology is that we're all agile. So you, you're no more than two weeks at a time, you know, being able to see very tangible developments out of our technology teams getting it into the hands of our clients very quickly. They can test it. They can give feedback. So, you know, I find that we're, we're able to innovate and, and continue to sort of drive better technology for our clients um, in a much more visible way than ever. Right. That, that's some great context. And, you know, a large portion of our audience is um, our MBA students or, or recent graduates. How would you... Um, advise you know people in our shoes about uh looking for careers at you know younger leaner um companies like e-money versus uh trying to find opportunities with long-standing um mm-hmm. industry you know giants like fidelity how do you think people should think about that yeah it's it's, it's interesting bobby because i i think both um uh, whether you whether you choose to sort of think about your career in a smaller company versus a larger enterprise can be incredibly rewarding. I think part of that is um, how do folks think about what motivates them, what drives them, uh, and you know I think you'll find like myself, you can find folks that are perfectly happy and and uh, motivated and can be successful within within both. Um, but you know it, it, there are differences where you know if, if you show up here it, at eMoney um, because you're a smaller company, uh, you know you're you're generally um, you know sort of things are much more visible, right? So yeah, it's it, it's the um, you you depend a lot more probably on personal interactions. And you know, walking up the flight of stairs or down the hallway, and um, and and having sort of those those personal interactions. Whereas a company like Fidelity, you know, you you have to get very comfortable that things like video and things like you know picking up the phone uh, might be the way that you get things done, right? So you you have to be able to adapt, um, you know, depending on the environment that you choose. But I think you know both could be equally rewarding for an individual depending on sort of what they what they are most interested in i would say in in both cases though as you sort of approach uh, either a small company or big company i think what what's common to both is you need to be really clear about what you bring like what what value do you bring to the equation um and for me what i always look for are you know how do folks that are coming here to us understand not 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 just sort of what's in it for them because hopefully they're hopefully the reason that they're interviewing with us is they they see something in it for them but you know how they think that they can most contribute uh, and even more specifically the more they know about the value chain and how we deliver and what we deliver to our clients 
and how they fit into that. I always find, you know, interesting um, and, and appealing the folks that sort of really sort of click with, when I started eMoney, this is how I fit in, and this is the value that I bring, and it's a mutually rewarding relationship. But I would say that point is going is probably going to be consistent whether you're a small company, big company, it doesn't matter. The more that you can demonstrate your your value and how you fit in and drive value into the uh, the, the, the the advisor client value chain, it's going to be helpful. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and. You know, from your seat, kind of what, what advice would you give to fintech entrepreneurs, you know, as they think about how to work or build businesses for industry giants like Fidelity? I mean, I imagine a lot of, um, you know, entrepreneurs have in mind a great exit would be to, you know, someone like Fidelity. So, um, you know, how, what are good business practices to, to implement early on uh, if you're an entrepreneur thinking about that? Um, okay, so I, I, I would start with like things um, again. Like, if you're a small company entrepreneur and you're trying to sort of uh, sell sell to a larger enterprise, be respectful of the things that they will consider important, right? Which is, yes, everybody loves the fact that a small entrepreneurial company can you know develop things in a week and have them ready to go to production in a week. But have you considered things like security, data governance? Have you considered things like have you licensed appropriately the data that you're running your platform off of? Um, and so it's it's making sure that you're positioning yourself that yes, while we're small, we have the right mindset around the um, you know sort of the the, the uh, culture of risk for which most large enterprises now spend a lot of time on these days. It's balancing that versus, you know, how innovative and how fast I could be because it's great to have a, you know, an innovative product, but if it lands the enterprise in a whole boatload of trouble, you know, three weeks from now, they're not that interested. They lose, they lose, uh, you know, interest pretty rapidly. So I would, it, it's important. And the way I think about it is, um, you know, before you go in to sort of pitch to that larger enterprise, think about who the folks that you're talking to are, what are the things that they value, how are they spending their time in a given day, so that you're aligning your interest with theirs, um, because it, ultimately what you want to demonstrate is that you can drive and bring value into the value chain without creating additional risk for them to have to manage. Um, and again, I guess the other the other things that I would say probably that most would would agree and already know is be able to demonstrate your unique value proposition. What's unique to you that right. they can't right. get from someone else that's more established, bigger, um, you know? Or again, a lot of lot of larger enterprises, the theme will be, hey, it's just a lot easier for me to build that ourselves. Um, and so you need to be pretty clear about why that's not the case and what you bring that's different. You know, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. And, then, you know, maybe, maybe there's another one of, um, you know, which is a little bit of patience, right? Because that's the difference in some of these worlds is if you're an entrepreneur and you're, you know, creating new, new products in, 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 in matters of days or weeks, a large enterprise isn't necessarily going to move 
on your on your calendar. So having a little bit of patience that just because you're nimble and quick um, doesn't mean that you know th there there might be a few different levels of approval and sort of uh, vetting before somebody makes a decision to uh, to move forward. So uh, you know ha having having a little bit of patience is probably a good thing there too. That makes a lot of sense. And I want to just ask uh, on one of the points you brought up about the decision that uh, larger uh, established players make between building it themselves versus buying. Um, and I think that might be particularly true in the asset management world. Uh, where, like, um, how would you kind of frame how uh, larger companies think about that decision and um, you know how entrepreneurs should should think about that risk when um, they're working on their uh, products or ideas. Yeah. Well, the good news is I think these these things are connected. I think most larger firms, most larger enterprises these days, if 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 they think about sort of their build by partner, you know, sort of um, you know rubric that they use, um, the things that they're building these days tend to be the things that no one else can provide. Or there's some something so unique or so proprietary that it only makes sense for them to, to build. Um, so, you know, connecting the dots to our earlier point there, which is why if you're going in, think about that rubric, which is, um, you know, it, it, as trying to sell them on your product. Try to demonstrate why you're better being the provider, why you're better positioned to build it, why you have a set of expertise um, that you know they they don't necessarily have or, or can't acquire. Um, you know, I, I think about our experience here at eMoney, and there are a number of firms who will tell us that the reason why you know they they choose us is because um, they believe that you know, we have a commitment to the innovation of financial planning technology and all that goes along with it. And, you know, they'd rather leverage our roadmap of investment and innovation than try to build or own something on their own. So we hear that over and over. So I, again, I think for, for others in a similar situation, just be clear about what value you bring and your commitment to that space. And that by, you know, agreeing to work with with you, um, they're getting all the benefits of sort of outsourcing a capability or an expert, expertise, not just what you have today, but what you're developing in the future as well. Makes a lot of sense. And Ed, um, before we wrap up, do you have any final um, comments or thoughts that you'd like to share with uh, our group? Yeah, you know, I, you know, again, I've, I've only been at eMoney a, a few months here, but um, you know, I, I would, you know, I, I think, you know, fintech as, as a future, uh, as a future career choice for folks, um, is, is an exciting opportunity. I, I, I do believe I've been part of financial services technology for the better part of three decades. I, I don't think I've seen any period in those three decades for which innovation is sort of positioned to continue. I mean, let's say we've already been in the cycle of innovation where, you know, maybe I've seen changes in the past two years that would have taken 10 years at some point over those those earlier 30. But I, I, I don't see that changing. I think with um, regulation that continues to in, in spotlight on this industry, 
driven by that very fundamental need for more advice by more people, um, I think, you know, sets us up for what's going to be a, a strong decade of innovation to follow. Um, and, you know, let's face it, you know, financial services is, it, it, while um, it's, it's not necessarily, um, you know, the thing that everyone wakes up to in the morning and starts to think about, um, you know, even here at eMoney, we're very tied into the idea that, you know, like we, we spend a lot of time on visual interfaces, but not hard to imagine two to three years out that an interaction of uh, financial advice could be entirely through voice on the platforms that are emerging now out of Amazon and Google that, you know, you might even, you know, we, we think about a, a robo platform today, you still go online, you still have to use a, a visual interface. Think about the innovation that can happen probably in the next, I would say, less than two years where you won't even need to, a, a visual user interface. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I, I'm 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 an optimistic I, I, optimistic person on sort of looking at fintech and its uh, it, its growth for the next decade. I, I I'm not sure there's a, a better a, a place I'd rather be. That's a really interesting point. Um, I've not thought about uh, using my Echo to to um, manage my retirement, but I I. Well, I it's it, 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 it's probably more doable than you think even today. And in fact, you know, we, right, we, we, we yeah, we, we already have, you know, working pilots of stuff like that, but yeah. I believe it. Well, <laughs> I think, thank you very much for your time. This has been uh, very insightful and we really appreciate it. All right, Bobby, same here. Thanks so much. And uh, certainly keep us in touch. Let us know if there's anything that we can be helpful on. Will do. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye.